0: are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs.
1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Dr. Jay Dunn. Uh, She's the founder of My Happy Genes. It's a program that provides genetic and epigenetic testing of eight biochemical processes, including energy production, inflammation, brain chemistry, detox, and histamines. So um, we're going to talk about My Happy Genes and, uh, and her work. So, Jay, thanks for coming.
2: Well, thanks for inviting me, Rich. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, how did you, uh, I don't know, how did you come up with the idea of, of what the company does, My Happy Genes, and what's what's some of your background?
2: Well, it's a it's a good question. It's kind of a long story, but um like a lot of healthcare practitioners, it's started really with my own quest for healing. Um I've been practicing now for over 32 years uh, doing natural medicine and uh you know, I'm a chiropractor and I do functional medicine, I do emotional work, I'm an herbalist. I I just have a lot of tools in my bag and I ha- and have had a very successful practice actually in New Mexico for for many years, but I still had some questions, and I was always looking for deeper answers, um, not only for my own health, but for some of my patients that I couldn't seem to get anywhere with, despite all the tools I had in my bag, and um, I started to hear about this thing called methylation, which is kind of a biochemical process. I don't want to get too technical, but it's what happens at the cellular level. It's how our genes affect our, our biochemistry, our brain chemistry, and not, not just our brain, but other functions in the body, like how we make energy or how we detox or how we, um, you know, all the, all the major functions that are going on at the cellular level are really governed by genetics. And so (laughs) when I started to, um, explore that area, looking into the genes and kind of got my genes tested. Uh, my Once once I started learning how to work with the genes and change the expression of the genes, there's, you know, epigenetic mechanisms. It changed everything for me. It, 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 my lifelong depression, completely gone. My lifelong chronic fatigue syndrome that I couldn't get anywhere with with myself was completely well, gone. Well,
1: how did you affect that though? So you got you did a genetic profile, I guess, and then, but what's the connection to getting rid of these conditions?
2: Well, that's a really good question. So uh, let me, let me give you an example. Cause one of the main genes that really uh, changed everything for me was something called a vitamin D receptor. We all know what vitamin D is, and maybe you're familiar with some of the things that it does, but it's a critical, it's a critical molecule in the body. And I don't make the receptor for it. I have a genetic variant that keeps me from absorbing vitamin D. So uh, so low vitamin D leads to low dopamine and low serotonin. And those are our our major brain chemicals. Uh, So that genetic variant has a very real effect on a tendency toward depression. And so you know, I spent my life trying to figure out why I was depressed and, and working on it emotionally, working on it nutritionally, working on it in all the ways that I could think of. And nothing ever moved the the dial anywhere. And then once I realized that I had that genetic variant and I learned how to work with it and make that enzyme work better, make those receptors work better through cofactors. I know, I, again, I don't want to get too technical, but essentially that, recept- okay. that receptor requires certain nutritional cofactors to make up for the fact that i have a genetic variant there and once i did that
1: oh so what it was, just just quickly for a little bit of detail so what so what did you it wasn't enough for you just to take vitamin d pills you had to take mm-mm. what's called cofactors or what were they
2: right so i i can't absorb the vitamin d if i take vitamin d it doesn't do me any good because i don't make the receptor correctly does that make sense so, that receptor actually requires vitamin K and vitamin kind of K2 and vitamin A to make it change its conformation so that it can now accept vitamin D. So, mm-hmm. um, that unlocked everything for me. And then I started looking at the, the entire body that way. You know, the other genetic variants that we inherit uh, require certain different cofactors or coenzymes. And, you know, co, coenzymes are vitamins, and cofactors are usually minerals. So if we can get very precise in our looking at what genes have you inherited that are affecting your biochemistry and what nutrients do you need more of because you've inherited that genetic variant to kind of make up for the fact that you have that gene. So to, um, to bring you up to normal speed, essentially.
1: Okay. So you did a, you looked at your genome, you found this. How did you uh, get to the stage where you want to look at epigenetic marks as well?
2: Well, I don't really look at epigenetic marks. We we look at the genes, and then we so the My Happy Genes algorithm takes into account what genes you've inherited, and then what biochemical pathways are affected, whether it's detox, it's brain chemistry, it's um, you know methylation pathways, etc. And it calculates those, and then it calculates your symptoms. So you can inherit a gene, but you may not have an expression of it an epigenetic expression so the the algorithm that we created takes into account the symptoms that you're experiencing along with the genes that you inherited and and then spits out a a specific diet and nutritional program for you based on those things so we can tell you know what is expressing epigenetically by what symptoms you're having
1: oh so if i have a gene that um well i mean like like with you you know you whatever gene creates that vitamin d receptor you know, what if you had the gene and you had the receptor, but it was severely downregulated due to methylation? And you would only maybe discover that, I guess, with with looking at epigenetic testing, or is that not the case?
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, you can certainly do some blood work and see, you know, where your vitamin D levels are. That'll give you another uh, piece of information that'll tell you whether or not that's expressing.
1: So you, you've identified, it sounds like, eight, eight critical, um, I guess, genes or locations in the genes. Are these Are these whole genes, are these SNPs, are they, like, how fine is the looking or doing with these eight uh, biochemical pathways of processes?
2: Well, so, yeah, that's, there are two different things uh, that we're talking about there. One is, uh, these are biochemical pathways, and they can have many SNPs in them. So uh, we're looking at about 437 genes at the moment, 437 SNPs at the moment, that can affect those eight biochemical pathways. So we look at, you know, Krebs cycle, electron transport chain. How well are you taking in food, breaking it down and making it into ATP, our basic unit of energy? If you've got genetic variants in there, then you, then it, the whole thing is going to be slower. It's when, when you have inherited a gene, uh, you know, you got one gene from mom and one gene from dad. And if both of those codes for an enzyme are the wrong code and you have a, a homozygous variant there, let's say, the activity of that enzyme can reduce be reduced by about 70%, and that's a pretty big hit. So we look at, okay, well, how do we make up for that enzyme by certain cofactors? But it also increases your risk. Now, these aren't mistakes. These aren't mutations. These are variations, right? So um, you can have a variation in that pathway that then causes you to gain weight and have low energy, and it'll also cause you to, be, to crave, crave uh, sugars and carbohydrates and other forms of fuel because you can't burn fat as a fuel. So we look at it that way, you know, what genes in that pathway, do you have genetic variants in Uh, homozygous specifically? Not, we don't really look at the heterozygous variants. That's where you have one gene from one of your parents. That's a variation and one gene that's the normal code for an enzyme. So we look at the ones that are homozygous because they're going to have the biggest impact uh, on the physiology of the body.
1: So yeah, for um, if you want to improve someone's circumstance, their energy levels, cognition, et cetera,
2: uh-huh.
1: why not also look at heterozygous? I mean, if, even if it's like a 10 or 15% diminution of whatever function, you still can improve that bodily. Right?
2: You can, but they're really, that's fairly easy to make up for with lifestyle and diet. You know, that's usually about a 30% hit, 15 to 30% hit on the physiology. And we don't find them to be that potent. And if you If you really focus on the homozygous variants and you get them upregulated, then the others will follow suit. So when we, let's say, for instance, we're working on the citric acid cycle and electron transport chain, and we're upregulating ATP production and energy, all of the other enzymes in the body that you have a genetic code for are going to be upregulated too, because they all require ATP. So essentially, we're not needing to address those heterozygous variants for the most part, as long as we... Um, get a robust fix on the homozygous variants uh, in a particular way
1: okay that makes sense so yeah. well, just to recount recount what are the eight one is uh the production of atp i mean what are the other seven
2: yeah so the energy production pathways we have the nitric oxide and the uh i call it the inflammation pathway because it's how we make uh the free radicals and the uh, proxy nitrites and superoxide molecules that are reactive oxygen species. So I call it the inflammatory pathway. That's number two. Number three is the tetrahydrobiopterin pathway, which is essentially brain chemistry, how we turn tyrosine and tryptophan into dopamine and serotonin and how we break those down. Then there's the the vitamin D receptor. I I consider that the immune system pathway because it's such without vitamin D receptor function, you cannot fight infections efficiently. You'll be struggling. You'll always have some kind of infection going on because it's how we turn naive T-cells into robust T-cells that can fight infections. And then there's the methylation pathway, which consists of the folate cycle and the homocysteine cycle. And then there's the detoxification pathways, which include phase one, phase two detoxification, uh, sulfation, uh, glucuronidation, that sort of thing. And then uh, the histamine pathways uh, are in there as well. So how how we make histamine and how we break it down Uh, are critical it's funny
1: as you're relating each of them i'm thinking okay that's why these conditions occur okay Mm -hmm. that's why these conditions and you cover a lot of ground with these these ones you've spoken about so far
2: yeah rich i'm I'm telling you it's it it, for me once i put it all together in a like a map that shows you how these also affect each other a a lot of light bulbs went on for me in my in my practice i had been you know treating bits and pieces of these pathways, or inflammation, or energy, or infections, or brain chemistry, they were, they were all addressed individually, and like a -a whack-a-mole kind of process, so once I understand,
1: yeah, no, it makes sense, can can you now restate the, the pathways again, but now correlate them to either diagnosed, you know, chronic conditions, or symptoms that people have, because I I can, I have a little bit of experience, I can understand them a bit better than someone that maybe that doesn't know about these these pathways. So
2: Yeah, really good question. So the energy production pathway takes glucose and it turns it into ADP, and that's our basic unit of energy. So again, you know, you're going to have weight gain and low energy, but you're also going to have a tendency toward high cholesterol and cardiovascular issues, gallbladder dysfunction, um, and neurological dysfunction. You're going to see Alzheimer's here, Parkinson's, uh, anything in the electron transport chain—if you get damage down in there from the environment or from genetic variants—that can be highly associated with uh, neurological disorders. Um, the nitric oxide pathway highly associated with cardiovascular issues here, blood pressure, because low nitric oxide is going to lead to uh, contraction of your blood vessels. So. Uh, if you're born with genetic variants in the nitric oxide synthase gene then you're going to have lower levels of nitric oxide nitric oxide is what dilates your blood vessels to allow uh, good circulation so you're going to see circulation issues here like I say blood pressure cardiovascular issues um, and then the bottom part of that pathway is involved in free radical damage so you're going to see cancers here you know high levels of Superoxide, peroxynitrite lead to cardiovascular damage as well. Iron overload, so you're gonna see hemochromatosis there and then a high risk for uh, cancers in that category. Um, The brain chemistry area, you can see ADD, anxiety, anger, irritation, depression, OCD, you know, all, all of the brain chemistry issues. And it's all dependent on like dopamine, whether dopamine and serotonin, too high, too low. Combination of both too high, combination of both too low, not being able to break these down or not being able to make them in the first place, um, you know sleep issues, anxiety, depression, fatigue uh, attention issues, and addictions are here very much too. The low dopamine state can lead to massive cravings and addictive tendencies. so the cool thing, just just a side note here you know for me it once I got this area straightened out for me it gave me a great deal of compassion for myself because I had kind of been beating myself up for a really long time that it was my fault. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, think positively what's the matter with me. And then once I got my biochemistry straightened out, it all went away and it was like, oh, it, it wasn't my fault. And that's, that's, that's great. This, yeah, it's the same thing we see with addictions, you know, with people were able to turn off their addictive tendencies, including methamphetamines and heroin addicts and alcohol and cigarettes and you know all, all the addictive kind of tendencies we're seeing them the, the people just lose their cravings for it because we fill their brains with dopamine get their body making their own dopamine um, yeah so as you're that.
1: talking i'm thinking like oh that might be me oh that might be my wife oh that might you know or people i know oh that sounds like so and so so yeah it's very relevant what you're talking about
0: if you like this podcast Please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
2: Yeah, it's huge. And, the, and so w- with my happy genes, just stopping there for a minute, I'll, I'll cover the rest in a second. But stopping right there, when I saw not only me, but my patients, one after another, kept coming in going, I feel happy. And I think "I think this is happy. I've never felt it before, but I think this is what they've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow, I, I didn't know, or they just calmed down, you know, they just completely calmed down or they completely lost their cravings for certain things. And I was just like, wow, this is big. This is huge. So I, with my happy genes, we created a a complex software algorithm that could calculate, you know, their risk of attention issues, addiction issues, depression, anxiety, you know, all of these things. Because we we calculate the number of genes that they have in that pathway, homozygous variants and heterozygous, we calculate those in there too. Actually, in the software algorithm, to com, uh, compute your relative risk over you know all the genes that we've found, a study, a good study from National Institute of Health or uh, on PubMed that correlated a gene with a risk of a particular psychiatric condition. So it's all backed up by science. It's all, every reference, every statement I make in the program has a, has references to it, many references to show where I got that information and it's um, verifiable with some pretty awesome studies. So, uh, so that's where we, we decided to focus. And that's not all we can do though. I mean, behind the scenes, we're looking at some of the things I just mentioned to you, which are, you know, the energy and the weight and the cardiovascular issues, they're in there too. But for the general public, we wanted to focus on my happy genes, you know, turning people's brain chemistry on, because it's such a big problem. It's a big problem right now. Not, it's always been a big problem yeah, but right now, bigger than ever, you know,
1: and. No, true. Um, so what is it? Is it a saliva test? Is it a blood test? What is it?
2: Yeah, we got we decided to, you know, we were using 23andMe and ancestry data for a while. We found it to be pretty anemic. We found that we were missing a lot of genes that we wanted to look at. So we went ahead and contracted with a private lab and we use a swab rather than the saliva test. It's much easier to do. 23andMe and, and Ancestry use a, you know, a little, little tube that you have to fill with saliva. This is just a like a Q-tip that you rub on your um, cheeks, uh, cheek swab and send it in to the lab. Uh, and then we get within about two and a half weeks, we get that information back and it's much more robust. We're looking at about 376,000 SNPs that we can uh, pull from. Uh, we're reporting on 437 at the moment when growing, because we're. I'm always seeing a new study showing, oh, this gene is associated with PTSD or addiction or whatever and adding to it, but we, we have, you know, at our, at our fingertips, we have 400, uh, 376,000 uh, SNPs to pull from, from our data. And it's private. That's the cool thing is because 23andMe and Ancestry sells your data to uh, highest bidder essentially. So there's no real privacy Wait. there. Um, unless so you, you know what this, you're
1: doing. Hey, you do the swab a couple of weeks ago, by, get the results. Um, in the interpretation of them though, you know, I've, I tried some of these services and like for a while, I just got nothing you know, microbiome stuff, they oh, they just yeah. give you a bunch of data with like zero interpretation. Like, mm-hmm. So does the interpretation come just from the test or is it because someone's your patient and then now in the context of being a patient, you could say, all right, well, this is what these mean to you specifically.
2: Well, again, a good question. There's a lot of data behind the scenes on the report that you get. So you can do your own analysis, but we also give you an analysis uh, again, risk sliders. So we'll show you, you know, your risk of PTSD, your risk of opioid addiction, you know, on a, on a risk slider that shows you your, your relative risk, according to your genes. There's a lot of information on that first test, which is your mood and personality test, And then we give you a diet and lifestyle, very specific for you. So it'll show you, are you best on carbohydrates or fats or proteins? Uh, Fermented foods, histamine, high histamine foods, you know, that's, uh, there are about 15 parameters that we give you information on. Again, relative risk. Okay. And then if you have a practitioner, we have a practitioner's portal behind the scenes, and they're the ones that can give you the other tests that we run. There are three others. And, uh, one of them is the biochemistry pathways. It shows, where the biggest risk factor is going to be. It won't mean much to the relative to the general public, but it means something to the practitioner and then the supplement recommendations, which are very specific for you, but we wanted them in the hands of a practitioner because we're messing with brain chemistry. And if somebody's already on an SSRI or some kind of psychotropic med, we don't want to be messing with their brain chemistry. We want them under the care of a physician who understands what they're doing with the, with the nutrients. Cause these are, these are physicians lines. They're very potent. And um, even though, you know, you may think, oh, you know, vitamin K, vitamin A, vitamin D, you take those and they're going to have a very real effect on your brain. And so we want to make sure that you're the kind of person, you don't have other genetic variants that we need to worry about that can actually uh, backfire on you. So
1: for instance, um, like, you know, I take a whole bunch of supplements, but when I took zinc, I did not feel well. It made me feel really weird, so I stopped and then um I think K two or something I tried and I felt like and I stopped and but most of them were fine, and it didn't bother me. But I can see what you mean. You know, it's funny, I guess people have the hope that supplements will really make a dramatic difference and for the most part they don't seem to, at least with me, but then some of them did have a negative effect. So there's a potential there, I guess, to have really positive too.
2: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent rich. And that, that was the thing is here I am 32 years of working with nutrients, never really did anything for me. I just kind of had given up on it until I got it figured out exactly what I needed for my body. Not just like some article you read about, Oh, K2 is good for this. Uh, there B6 is something I should never take. So I can't do a multiple. You can't just take a multiple and think that the body's going to flush out what you don't need. You just Turned a pathway oh, okay. on. And it's, it's that's annoying. what I was
1: going to ask you. Right. You, So you tell people what to supplement with and then what not to supplement with, too.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Because it, it's important to get this exactly right for your genes. Because again, let's see. So, so that vitamin D receptor where I told you, you know, K2, A, and D, and I know people are going to be tempted to go out and get that. Well, if you have a genetic variant in an enzyme downstream from that, you just created a bunch more dopamine, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. And if you can't break that down, you're going to go into anxiety and you're going to feel like crap. So, or you, if you can't break down the serotonin you just made because you have an MAOA variant, uh, you're going to get really irritable and grouchy and it's, it's not good. So you have to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and the other genes that are involved with what you just did. So it's, it's a lot more complicated than just saying, Oh, I'm just going to take that. Just don't, don't do it because. Uh, you have to take into, into account and in consideration the other genes that you just affected. So the, um, when you turn on the vitamin D receptor, you've turned on about 800 other genes that are affected by vitamin D. So to, to calculate that in your head is going to be tricky. <laughs> and like, I challenge you to do that. So that's why we created the, the software uh, algorithm to, to calculate that stuff. You know?
1: But even so, even if you do these tests and you know what supplements to take, though, After you take them for a few weeks or a month, now I would think you'd have to redo your blood work because what if you overshoot? You know, what if uh, for some reason the prescription or the, you know, the supplements are not working in the right way and you're like, oh, well, we better add this in or there's too much of that. Now we need to back off.
2: Right. And that's where you being in the hands of a practitioner who knows what they're doing and can spot where you've gone the wrong way. Uh, can be invaluable. And that's, so I've trained about 500 doctors across the country on how to understand these pathways, the interactions and the, you know, the complications and and implications of of what they're doing nutritionally with the genes. So they can spot that when you're off track uh, or when you're, what we can, what we call over methylated and, uh, and creating some side effects. So it's important. Because it's uh again, it may seem like, oh, it's just like vitamins and, and minerals. How how much can you do? And you you just told me you took zinc and you felt terrible. Well, you probably yeah. upregulated an enzyme that you know is, is gonna send you in the wrong direction, and that's a wrong nutrient for you. And everybody thinks zinc is fine or B12 is fine, or folic acid is fine, and yeah, not for everybody. It's it's so individual. And uh but that's the key. If when you get this right, it's incredible. I like I can't tell you the difference between before I started doing this, and after I started doing this, it was enormous. It was like I'm telling you, my set point for my brain went from kind of in the gutter to uh, just my baseline is happy, and and I don't have to work at it. I don't have to think That's about great. it. I just live there now, and it's like I'll never go back. Uh, and, and yeah, the- I
1: know depression is uh, a lot of these things are just a burden that weighs on people for years and years and years and suppresses who they really could be. The oh, natural 100%. state of, of being
2: you know? yeah, a hundred percent, and that's so profound, what you just said, um and a lot of people just suffer, and maybe they're not they feel like well i'm i 'm not suicidal, so it's not a big deal, you know i don't want to talk to anybody about it, they keep it to themselves, and they they don't talk about it because they don't think there are options. And I didn't. I didn't mention it to anybody, but it's like, wow, yeah, I spent my whole life just kind of struggling here. Uh, and I didn't want to do psychotropic meds. I mean, I'm a natural healthcare practitioner. It never even appealed to me. And and counseling never really did much. You know, it just didn't have any lasting impact. So when when this worked for me, you know, after you've been looking for a lifetime of an answer, it, it got my attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the, the, the recommendations you'll make, I know they're personal, but there'll be some supplements, some maybe exercise, some diet, uh, any other, like, what are the major things that you'll recommend to to the person depending on their circumstance? What are like the families of things that get recommended?
2: So, yeah. So, so diet, and then things like intermittent fasting, if it's good for you or not, for some people it's not. And uh, for, uh, and, you know, it can tell us whether you're exercise intolerant or not. And I mean, once we get your nutrients in there, it's going to turn on your ability to exercise. So here's the thing, Rich, is I I spent 32 years talking to my patients about, Hey, why don't you just eat right and exercise? You know, it's like, and everybody would go, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'm going to work on that. And they don't, (laughs) you know, they don't, it's human nature. We, We, so I had it backwards and I really think we have it backwards. It's like a paradigm shift. What I found was when I optimize people's energy production pathways and their brain chemistry, they eat right. They don't have to think about it. Their body does not crave crap and they, and they want to exercise. Their body feels like moving now and it doesn't hurt them. I was one of those people that had exercise intolerance. I I would go out and exercise and I'd feel terrible. Like for a couple of days, it'd take me to recover. And now, now I feel good when I exercise. And that was a, that was a big shift for me. And again, something I beat myself up about and everybody says, oh, you should exercise. You know, you'll feel better. Just get up and get off the couch and go. It's like, yeah, you don't, you don't understand. It hurts me. (laughs) Physically hurts. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh,
1: it's just like if, uh, you know, if I'm hungry and I'm irritable and I come home and my wife's like, oh, what do you want to eat? I'm like, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and then after you eat you feel better. Or at least I feel better and Then I'm calmer. And I have to say, I'm sorry. Or, but yeah. you know, I can see if you feel like shit every day and someone's telling you, you should do this, you should do that. In your mind, you're like, you, know, you don't understand. Just, I don't feel well, leave me alone. I don't want to do anything.
2: Well, yeah. And you know, we're relying on willpower. And I find that willpower is, is not very effective for most people. You'll see the rare person who's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my new year's resolution. I'm going to buckle down, stop eating so many, carbs and so much sugar, but if your brain, so here's the thing is that people don't understand is if your brain is craving sugar, you're out of balance. It's not the other way around that when you get into balance, your brain will go, eh, doesn't even sound good. You know, it just sounds, sounds gross. Uh, and so again, we had it backwards and I found that once I, I balanced people, I would get these phone calls from people saying, Oh my God, it wasn't my fault. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, I was eating like a pack of Oreos at night. Cause I just like, my brain said, go to the store and get some Oreos. And I just obeyed. And, you know, it's like, it's not even talking to me anymore. It's like, it doesn't even sound good. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So
1: instead yeah, also in the world of diet, I've heard, you know, like I've interviewed people that are big into like the ketogenic diet and they have literally thousands of testimonials saying it helped people. And then I've interviewed people that say, oh, no, it should be vegan. And they have thousands of testimonials. And, <laughs> no. you know, so I've seen like, well, how could those two things exist simultaneously? And I believe them and I believe a lot of people benefit from both. So it just yeah. tells me like it has to be individualized for the person. There's no one size fits all.
2: Totally. Totally. And that's the really interesting thing, at you know, looking at thousands of these genetic tests and it's so individual. It was interesting because I I bought into the whole keto diet thing and I tried that for a while and it made me feel really sick. And then I tried, you know, like the low carb, high protein. I always thought, well, that's, you know, that's how you lose weight and that's how you, blah, blah, blah. well, I got my genetics back and I'm actually, I do much better on complex carbs, lower fat and lower protein. And since I've been eating that way, it's like, oh okay, I feel a lot better, but it's so variable. I see some people it's like, nope, you need to be low carb, high protein or high fat, low carb. It's just so incredibly variable. So this one size fits all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I did keto for a long time and I felt great. And my wife just couldn't eat like, you know, the amount of fat and protein and she needs more vegetables and she feels better that way. And yeah, so it's very different how, uh, again, like you're saying, there's no one size fits all
2: yeah very much so and even even with things like soy or salt or histamine foods or again intermittent fasting it, it, you know the the proponents will say no everybody should intermittent fast it's good for everybody because it turns on autophagy where you know the body eats its old dead red bloods or old uh, body cells but it's not some people just can't maintain their blood sugar well so the, so intermittent fasting they're not going to do well on i mean they can do it to a limited extent but they're not going to be your robust fasters. (laughs) They're going to tank.
1: When people first get their results and they get these sliders that they're at risk for this, that, and the other, I would think they would be like, oh man, now I'm afraid and I don't want to do anything. You know, how do you, is it necessary to do that? Or is it better to just be positive and say, here's how we can help you based on what you're reporting as your problem is and not tell them like, oh, you're at high risk for Alzheimer's or you're at high risk for stroke. I mean, It just seems like that would push people away at that point.
2: Yeah, no, we never do that because yeah, for that, for that very reason, but we look at brain chemistry imbalances more, you know, like you have a high risk of depression or anxiety or ADD or learning difficulties or blah, blah, blah Um, to, to a lot of people who don't understand that, you know, genes, the, the expression of genes can be changed and that's epigenetics to tell them that they're at risk of Alzheimer's is traumatic. If they don't understand that, Okay. It's, it's just a risk. You know, it's just, it's like the BRCA gene that, you know, some people go off and get their breasts cut off because they have a BRCA gene. It's like, no, dude, that's a risk. That is not a sentence in any way, shape or form. None of your genes are unless you're born with a, a birth defect. You know, that's like forever. That's it. Story over. But when you're born with a risk of a particular imbalance, there's lots of things you can do to avoid that coming. So. To me, it makes sense to know where you're headed. I mean, if you know the bridge is out ahead, wouldn't you want to know that ahead of time so that you can take an alternate oh, yeah. route? <laughs> you can do the right I thing. I don't
1: know. To you, know that. you know, like, well, again, it depends on who's telling you because I don't want to get it. Like they have this, you know, test coming out to test for like 40 kinds of cancer. I don't want to get the test. I've uh-huh. had thyroid cancer already and I don't want to hear like, oh, now you have a colorectal cancer. You know, some people want to know, but if yeah. there's something you could do about it fine. If there's nothing you could do about it then I wouldn't want to know.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. If there's nothing you could do about it. But we look at just uh relative risks and we look at biochemical pathways. How can we upregulate that pathway? Some of the symptoms you're experiencing can indicate that you have imbalances in there which increases your risk of, you know, certain uh medical conditions in the future. But here's the way you can modify that and you, with certain specific nutrients here's your best diet. Doesn't mean like you can never, ever have this food. It means this is not ever going to be your best friend. It's like, stay low on this uh, because genetically it's not going to be good for you. So um, it gives you a, a roadmap to follow, to prevent, you know, some of these things that potentially could be coming down the road. And to me, that's, that's really positive. I consider it very positive and proactive rather than reactive, rather than waiting till you get cancer and going, oh, should have done something, we can point out, you know, w- relative risks and, and ways to avoid that happening. And so for me, I have, we have cancer in the family. And, and my dad died of lung cancer at 55. And his father died really early 50 ish, and my cousin, and, you know, it's just, it's really a lot of cancer in the family. So yeah. like, I want to know, I want to know how to avoid that. I don't, I don't want to go there. Cancerville is not very good place
1: to go. Not going yeah on. i know <laughs> well you should uh, you should tell your patients you're three hundred years old just to be like a living testimonial
2: well you know, my my way. best yeah my best living testimonial is my mother who's ninety five and she's got the only health issue she has is a uh, slight high blood pressure that's it her blood work looks amazing she's fully functional her brain's all there she lives alone she you know she's she's awesome she's cool so have um, you
1: have you gotten her on the pro have you tested her and given her suggestions it's cool yeah
2: she's been on my programs now for about 20 years and they've gotten even better since we started doing the genetic piece uh but she's she's an amazing testimonial and uh, i'm 60 i just turned 60 this year and it's like i don't i don't want to go to old age i'm not going there
1: (laughs) that's great that's really great yeah so um i want to so how can i want to tell listeners how they can uh find out more and you know Choose to to get the program and to you know get the testing, but um, before that, what's what's next? You've added in the genetic testing, like what's next in your vision? I'm guessing you you want to keep going and making it better and better forever.
2: Yeah, I we're we're adding in the idea of wearable technology that goes with our uh, My Happy Jeans program, so that you can get sort of feedback, real time feedback about how you're doing. You know, are you are you like exceeding your limit of pushing a pathway in the wrong direction. Um, are you sleeping well? Are your oxygen levels good? You know, the, all, all the, the, the parameters that we can fit in there, um, that will give you some feedback about how you're doing and kind of try to keep you on track, which is cool. But we also, we're looking at nonprofits. Um, I'm pretty passionate about helping, uh, vets with PTSD and especially the homeless, which a lot of the homeless are vets with PTSD or addiction issues. So we, we're teaming up with some organizations to where we're, we're going to be donating a good chunk of our profits to, to those people. Cause they're just, man, it rips my heart out to see all these people that we're stepping over that nobody's really helping them in a, in a meaningful way. I mean, we can give them handouts and we can try to help them, but they're suffering from brain chemistry imbalances and addictive tendencies. So if there's something we can do to, to really help that population, that's where we're headed. Um, with our company as we get rolling,
1: yeah, excellent. Oh, Jay, well, sometimes the companies that I interview they'll they'll offer a special you know benefit for listeners. So, mm-hmm. do you have anything in mind that you could offer to listeners of this podcast that want to work with you?
2: Yeah, totally. Thanks for asking. Um, if you use the code Genius One with a capital G, uh, we'll give you fifty dollars off your purchase of the DNA kit. And it's two hundred and forty nine dollars, so it'll bring That's it down. That's super
1: generous. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So again, what's the best way for people to find out more? How can they take that first step with you? Where do they go?
2: They go to myhappygenes.com and uh, you can buy the DNA test there. And then once you get the DNA test, you get the raw data from it. And then you can upload it on our site and order the reports, the uh, mood and personality report and the diet and lifestyle report. And if you want to work with a practitioner, we have, uh, we're putting together the practitioner referral list. Right now, we have it on our side. It's not on our site yet, but it's coming soon to where we can hook you up somewhere around the country. Uh, we're mainly in the United States right now. We're having difficulty getting distribution in Europe and Australia and Canada, but we're working on it. And um, But we can hook you up to a practitioner around the United States. Like I say, I have about 500 practitioners that can, can help you dial this in and uh, take you to the next level. But starting you know, with understanding your genes with these two reports. There's so much you can learn about why you are the way you are. And it ex- it explains a lot. It's pretty interesting what you'll find out.
1: Oh, very good. So myhappygenes.com. And uh, Jay, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks for the invite, Rich. I appreciate you.
0: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.